get back into God's plan, and we're talking about today the five poetic books. We'll talk about that in a moment. Live stream, good to see you. Um, I hope this doesn't shadow. Is my face, does it look better in the dark like this? Do I look better? It's like all I can see now is eight chins. you got more chins than a Chinese phone book. What, what is that? Just, I usually do this, but I can't do that today. And I also want to say before I get started, thanks, Pastor Carl, for last week's message. It was fabulous. It was insightful. You know, for a, for a 70-year-old man, he's pretty wise. That's all I'm saying. So let's get into poetic books today. What are the poetic books? We're going to look at the book of Job. If anybody wants to get good and depressed, let's read the book of Job. Um, Psalms, if anybody wants to know what to do with their depression, let's read the book of Psalms because it's, it's, it's the hearts of kings. Proverbs, if anybody wants to figure out how not to be on the wrong side of wisdom, we're going to look at Proverbs today. Ecclesiastes, if anybody just wants to understand that everything we're doing is meaningless and, and vaporous, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. And then the Song of Solomon, if anybody wants to, let's just move on. Let's talk about the goal of today is not to feed you these books. That would be way too ambitious for me to stand up and say, okay, we're going to do a verse-by-verse. Verse. There are literally thousands of, of words contained in these five books, and, and to delve into them with any sense of uh, exhausting the content would take years. And I, and I encourage you that it is worth it uh, to, to exhaustively study all of these books. Every single one of them has a beautiful analogy, a beautiful parable, a beautiful song, um, a, a deep question. Like, to live your life without these five books is really to live a shell of what you could have lived, and it's written down for you. And this is what these writers have done. They've given us the answers to the tests of life before we take them. How many of you guys appreciate the teacher that gave you the final exam day one? They said, this is what we'll be studying, but this, these are the questions that will be on your final exam. This is what's happening. They're not only giving us the questions of life, but these five books are giving us the answers of life. Like, there is no reason to fail. We have the answers to all of life's greatest tests. So we're, we're going to be talking about this, and hopefully as we, we get into these things, we, we're not going to feed you them, but we're going to hopefully create a hunger for them that you will understand what it is that's sitting on your iPhone right now. What is it sitting on that book on your coffee shelf right now that is waiting to speak to you if we will listen, all right? Now, this picture right here, I love this picture. Um, that's not me, and I don't know who the kid is, but I love the picture because I, I, it gives us a, a really a picture of what these books do for us. Let me ask you a question. Who's doing all the work in that picture, the, the, the adult or the child? Who, who, who is enjoying, you know, that? Is it the adult or is it the child? The answer is it's both, right? But who can see farther, the child can. And this is what I want you to know, that these fathers in the faith wrote down their life's lessons, and they're handing it to us that we would sit upon their shoulders, and literally, because of our perspective, because of the, the hundreds of, of years that have passed between the writings of those books and the subsequent other books and messages and the words of Jesus and the acts of the apostles, like, we can understand them better now than ever before. We are literally sitting on the shoulders of the greatest minds and the greatest hearts of all time. So when people say, wow, it's really hard, man, I, I, those deep people, I, I can't listen to like, you know, deep people talk, I understand their words. Here's the beauty about the book we're going to look at today in the book of Proverbs, is he takes, he takes complicated, complex, multifaceted issues, and he reduces it to very, very, very simple things. These books do all mankind an incredible service. I, I just want you, again, just to whet your appetite, if you're not reading the book of Proverbs, there's a good chance you're behaving as a fool behaves and not even knowing it. If you're not reading the book of Psalms and you're bummed out, you are not the first believer in God to be bummed out, to be confused. And in the Psalms, you find a comfort from the most generous heart of all in the heart of David, who did all the dumb things and more that most of us will ever do. 
So it's not like, when I was perfect, I wrote a song. It's like, no. I love the 51st Psalm, is it, where it says, you know, the Psalm of David, after he he had sex with another man's wife and murdered her husband. It's like, who writes music during times like that? You know? Most people are hiding it. He's writing songs that everybody can remember. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Wash me with his self, and I'll be white as snow. You hear what I'm saying? So let's take a look at just one of these today. We're going to take a look at the book of Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs is, in Solomon's own words, let's take a look at this. He says the, the Proverbs of Solomon, they are about uh, 375 are attributed directly to Solomon wrote these. We've got about 130 of them are the men of Hezekiah. So these are a king that came later on who said, not only are, did he say these things, he also said these things. Let's assemble them and put them as an editor would with, with kind of like the 2.0 version of Proverbs. We get some of these from a guy named Agur, uh, Agur. Uh, Agur, I've heard it in all sorts of different languages, but it's, it's A, G-U-R, we'll just call him A because he's friends of ours. And then Lemuel, Lemuel went so far as to take the Proverbs um, and then also put them according to the Hebrew alphabet. So we said, you know, A is for apple and B is for bear and C is for Charlie. And like he, he literally, so everybody could understand, remember these Proverbs. So they, they really did the work for us. But in Solomon's own words, this is what he says. He says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. What's these things for? They're for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. How many guys think we need some instruction in prudent behavior? Right? Prudent behavior. It's almost like, when I grow up, I want to be prudent. Nobody says that. But how many guys know we need prudent people? The prudent live a different life. Um, Understanding words of insight for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, those who have the lack of this knowledge. It's for knowledge and discretion to the young. How many of you guys know our young people need to know these Proverbs, right? Let the wise, even the old people, let the wise listen. And because of what's in here, it's going to add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Now, there is a theme to all of Proverbs that we need to kind of bear in mind. As we're reading the Proverbs, this is kind of the the lens through which we need to observe it, and it's this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in some places, the beginning of knowledge in other places. Knowledge is that which can be known. Wisdom is that which has been experienced. Does that make sense? So uh, Mark Twain, one of his sayings is, I once knew a man who grabbed a wild cat by the tail and learned three times more about wild cats than the man who didn't. I don't know what that means, but what I think it means is there's a knowledge you can get by looking at a wild cat, and there's an experience you can get by grabbing it by its tail. Wisdom is not often an attribute that's just given to us. Often the wisest person in the room is the person who's done the most stupid things most often, but learn from them never to repeat them again. You're still here, right? So he's saying this, you cannot get this without this. Wisdom begins with God. We have to believe and understand that, and we'll see this in Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, wisdom is personified. It's given a personality. It's a woman. And the woman calls to the simple and says, come to me. And it says before, you know, I I was there when when the, the world was formed. In other words, God wove wisdom into the fabric of all humanity. In all, all mankind, it is reality as much as gravity is reality. It cannot be um, 
uh, changed. It simply is. And if you know about gravity, there's a good chance you'll be blessed by that knowledge and a greater chance that you won't be hurt by its effect. Does that make sense? So when we talk about Proverbs, you're saying, listen, it, it, this is really important, but it, you cannot get to where Proverbs will take you. You cannot get to where wisdom wants you to be unless you understand this first. It is God who gives wisdom. It is God who blesses. This is not Oprah. This is not fortune cookie theology. This is not Ouija board. This is not some mindless, well, that sounds right. must be true. Don't go out in the rain in your socks. Is that, it's, it's not the foolishness of just simple human logic wisdom. Some of the wisdom of God defies the logic of man. And so he's saying before you can get there, you've got to start here. The fear of the Lord, the respect of who God is, knowing that this is his truth, is the beginning of everything that goes beyond this. So I'll say this to you. Before we get started studying really Proverbs and what they are and how they function in your life, know this, that if you don't begin with, there is a God, he's good, he's real, he's spoken this, this is his gift to me, this is his word for me, I can stand on this, this is bedrock, these are promises, this is truth, then you won't trust it enough for it to do any good in your life. And if this sounds good, you'll go over here, and if that sounds good, you'll go over there. He's saying, this is the path, walk ye on it, or fall ye off of it. <laughs> Amen? Only a fool will reject this great gift. That's the, that's the parable. That's the paradigm. That's, the, that's the, the binary understanding. It is or it isn't. And God says, I am that I am, and you are to trust me. So what does Proverbs do? Um, this is one of the things I love about this. How many, guys, how many guys like it when complex things are simple? Like, how many guys love YouTube videos? versus instruction manuals made by some guy in Thailand. You know, take, you know, subsection B, letter three, assemble it with da-da-da, and you, after he's done, it's like, I have no idea what you said. But if you see it on YouTube, and this guy goes, get this part, get this part, put them together, how many guys appreciate assembly videos? We just assemble the face-down configuration piece of hospital equipment that's generally used for people much older than us. It's, it's usually the eye stuff is 70, 80, 90 years old when the surgery happens. I just happen to be a junior achiever. Hallelujah. And, and I'm telling you, to assemble the stuff, you need a PhD from MIT. I almost said that's no BS. It was just other letters that came to mind, but you can't say that in church. I'm wearing a hat. Evidently, things aren't getting through right. So I, I, I literally, we just like put it back in the box exactly the way it came. I wasn't paying attention to it when it came out of the box. So when it came out, I put it in, it's just like duct tape, UPS. Amen. You know? And, and I'm telling you guys, this, this, what Proverbs does, it takes complex things and it reduces them to simple, easy to remember, often word picture sayings so that we can, the simple, become prudent so that we, the simple, can become wise. How many of you guys want to stand on the shoulders of Solomon right now, all right? I'll give you a good example. The other day, I'm in Alabama. I met together with about a, a dozen and a half really smart people and, uh, that are church planters, and we're, we're strategizing how to plant churches around the nation, around the world, uh, with an association called the uh, Association of Related Churches, or ARC, and uh, we're, we're feeding off each other best practice. We're listening. We're talking. It's wonderful. They, they're, they're just super, super, super sharp people. And you ever walk in a room full of really smart people and wonder if you're even saved? Can I get a witness? You know? So they're like, what do you think, Jim? I'm like, I think I should be quiet. <laughs> and I don't think that very often. <laughs> but I'm just going to listen. So I asked a question here and there. That's about it. But I, I had one of my roommates was really smart. His name's Terry. He's been a pastor since... Uh, I was in probably elementary school, and he, he's reaching kind of the end of his pastoral career, and he's kind of a sage from the stage, but I, I want him to be more like a guide by the side. So he's out drinking his coffee in the morning, wanting to be alone with Jesus, so I interrupted that to, to ask him a simple question. I said, you know, I, there's a question I want to ask you, Terry, because you're kind of from a word of faith background. I'm from an Assemblies of God, Baptist, 
Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, atheist, just I, I'm a mutt, and you're a purebred. So from your understanding of a life of preaching on faith, I, I get confused sometimes about the money thing because what I see is, is Jesus really downplaying, it appears, the financial stuff, and it's hard for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of, and it, you know, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, and, and the, the, you know, the wealth of, of the, the wicked is stored for that. I just, seems like, seems like every time Jesus talks about money, it's not a good thing. But I listen to Solomon, and every time he talks about money, it's a sign of God's blessing. Which one is it? And he, I, I kid you not, it took me 10 minutes to answer the question. This is what he said. Well, Jim, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Stay out of the ditch. Now, that's a proverb. You know, don't, don't get way off into poverty thing and tell everybody got the salary thing or they, you don't love God. And don't get over here and say, if you don't have a Mercedes Benz, you don't love Jesus. Like, just stay out of the ditches that are obvious on either side of the road, which is expansive. I'm like, huh. It would have taken me like a three-week series. You know, Jim, for every mile of road... There's two miles of ditch. I'm like, <laughs> what's your email address? We need, to, we need to know each other, right? Well, that's what a proverb does. It takes, a, it takes a complex, and it just reduces it to one little, I'm more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's a picture. So where do the proverbs come from? Mostly it came from the mind of Solomon, who was, you know, arguably and, and scripturally the wisest man who ever lived. And he was an observer. He was a thinker. He was a writer. He, he, he took vast amounts of data and condensed it into things that people could understand. He had the ability to see, again, this, this woven order uh, of how God put wisdom as a powerful force in the universe for us to understand and utilize. The, the force, you know, Luke and, and, and uh, Yoda, like that doesn't exist. This is a force that does exist. This really is in every relationship, in every business dealing, in every family, in all government, in all society, in the gospel itself, in the roots of the physical earth, wisdom was there and wisdom is here operating to this day. So we have the ability to see this sewn-in thing and then reveal it to us so we can see the threads that God did in there. So um, he says this in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, it's the glory of God. Everybody say the glory of God. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Like, he didn't put gold on the surface. He put gold down deep. He, he didn't put titanium just in your shoulder. He put it in the ground. He hides valuable things generally underneath big piles of things that have no value at all. Like, like most information is just information. It's phone numbers. It's dresses. It's words that mean nothing. But he had the ability to mine through the, the meaningless to find these great things. And it says it's search. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings, the mind of kings. And so the word search, as I understand it, it means something like this. Like if Solomon were to say, okay, I see that and I see that, and he just starts writing things down, and he categorizes, and all of a sudden there's a room about the size of this section right here that's just filled with information. It's data, it's observation, it's words that people have said. It all kind of has a common theme. It doesn't all quite fit together, but it all, it all kind of relates to each other. And then one day he walks into that room, and he begins to read and analyze and dissect, and he gets it down to something maybe scrolls that would fit in the size of this monitor case right here. And, and all those words, all that information has been couched into something this large. But then as he studies that, that out he gets it down to a single scroll instead of a dozen scrolls and then from there he takes it down from a single scroll down to a single you know uh, you know three or four paragraphs and then somehow takes all the information that was once there and puts it into a single phrase that's hard to forget that's it is the glory of kings to make this this so that people can walk in this 
instead of having to figure out that. Can I get away? How many guys go get your taxes done? You're like, thank God he didn't make me an accountant, right? Because it's just, just let me know if I get money back or I have to go move in with my mother. That's all I need to know. Hey, you're getting money back. Yay. How'd you get there? I don't care. It's just too much information. I bring in the box. The box becomes the sheet. The sheet becomes the line. The line becomes the number. But what he's done is he's taken this vast tax return, all this information, all this accounting for wisdom and life, and he turns it into one number, one thing. And, and I'll show you what I mean by this. This is a proverb. Does anybody know what the proverb is? Like a gold ring and a so is a... There it is. <laughs> and it's funny that, that a woman do that, and the men are like, I don't know what that is. You know? Yeah, it, it, this is the proverb. It says this, like a gold ring and a pig's snout. So is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Well, what, what, does, what does he mean by that? Well, he'd watched. He'd seen. He'd watched people like, oh, she's so pretty. I just got to have her. And the unveiled face. And, oh, yeah. But how many of you guys know there's two words that none of us can escape? One is called time, and the other is called gravity. So that which appeals to the eye has the tendency to move south in time. That which is smooth and has no wrinkles becomes something different in time. My skin, anybody else like turn 50 and all of a sudden your skin turns into like some weird paper? That used to be tight. And now, I, did I lose weight? Is it, am I deflating? Like what's, what's happening? So no, your skin lacks collagen because you're in the process of dying. Well, thank you, modern medicine for... For that, that's a wonderful thing, right? I think this really came home for me, and, and where I was really taught this was a friend of mine named Chris. Chris was 30 years old, and he'd lost his sight. He went completely blind because of diabetes, and he was losing it progressively, and his eyes were always messed up and milky and surgeries, and but it just, in, in the end, he literally, you could, right in front of his face, he could feel the air, he could hear your hand moving, it was creepy, but, he, but he, couldn't, he couldn't see anything, and he was lonely. He was bored. He's 30 years old. He's young. His whole life's ahead of him. Um, he died, I think, at like 32, 33, but we, we used to go to French Laundry, and I'd get an $8 cup of coffee, and he'd get an herbal tea because he wasn't allowed to have caffeine because of the neurological stuff that was going on, and I remember one day I asked him a question. I said, you know, you're, you're a young man. You used to be quite a ladies' man. How's your love life nowadays with you, you know, not being able to see? He said, it's actually really good. I said, okay, explain. He, he said, I remember when I could see different women, how beautiful they were, and I would always clam up around them because I was afraid. He goes, now I can't see them, and it's shocking how some of the most beautiful women, once you can't see them, aren't that pretty after all, and all you can do is hear them. That's why supermodels just pose. They don't talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was mean. Some of them should talk, I guess. I don't know. I don't have many supermodels. But good. Don't talk, sweetie. Just, right? And... And he said, and he said, and I cannot get to know my girlfriend and what she looks like. You know, you just gonna walk up to people and say, so, uh, my name's Chris. How you, what's going on? You know what I mean? He said, so I, I, just, I just have to wait until there's a time where I can hold her hand to find out if she has hairy knuckles. I don't know. I have to wait to put my arm around her to find out if it's here or if it's, I don't, I don't know. So he said, what's funny is, he said, I think every young man in America should be blindfolded and choose their bride and the blindfold doesn't come off until the wedding night. I said, I think we'd make a lot better choices because the character of a woman is more beautiful than the body of a woman ever was. And I went, you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, Solomon, I see what you said to be true. Like a gold ring in a pig's snot. It doesn't matter the beauty. If, if there isn't a godly humility that comes with it. And by the way, can I say this? That's true maybe doubly so of men. Like a, like a gold ring in a 
pig's other end, I guess is what that would be for a man. I've been on heavy sedation this week. Right? As is, is a, is a handsome man who just doesn't understand that there's something more beautiful than biceps. You know what I mean? What he's saying is this. There's a character, and he says it so beautifully that it's hard to forget. Anybody, remind me, what's the parable? Like a, like a what kind of ring? And a what? So is what kind of woman? Who shows no what? So the wisdom of a room has become the wisdom of a case, has become the wisdom of a scroll, has become the wisdom of paragraphs, has become the wisdom of a visual, easy to understand, easy to remember, lesson of the wise to those who need prudence. Look at the next one. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. What is he talking about? Let's go back. He's saying, listen, there are some people that just want to argue. Don't, don't argue with arguers. Some people just like the attention. And, and the longer the threat gets, the more they feel like they're getting attention. Please, whatever you do, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Because when you do, you become like him. He's upset, she's upset, now you're upset about something you weren't even thinking about 10 minutes ago. And we have such courageous thumbs now look at the very next verse. That was verse 4. Look at verse 5. It says this. Answer a fool. Verse 4 said, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will become wise in his own eyes. He's like, well, I'm right because no one else is arguing with me, so I must be right. Now, people have literally, this is so funny to me. I, I read something the other day that was arguing on the validity of Scripture because it obviously contradicts itself. Because it says, don't answer a fool. Ah, the next one, answer a fool. It's like, oh, the editor couldn't have ever seen that coming. They're so far apart that no one would ever... They're right next to each other. What Solomon's saying is there's more than one kind of fool. Amen. How many of you guys have experienced there's more than one kind of fool? How many of you guys are related to... Never mind. Let's just, let's just stop. There are people in our life that need us to answer them or they'll walk around thinking they're right when they're completely wrong. And there's people in our lives that love to argue. Jesus said it this way. Don't throw what is precious before pigs. Don't, don't, don't get involved in what Paul calls stupid and foolish arguments. Don't do it what Proverbs says God hates by causing division and, and you know, people being mad. Don't fall into what Galatians calls the deeds of the flesh by being separated and superior and haughty. Just, just like we got to know which kind of fool we're talking to. There's fools that can be corrected and there's fools that need a time out. We had years ago people that were just really upset at the Freedom Center. Da, 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 da. And, and it was, Pastor Jim, what are we going to do? We got to deal with this guy. I said, the best way to deal with it is not to deal with it. They'll get tired if we don't fight back. Sure enough, after I made an announcement, nobody else do it. Like, we don't do that here. If they, if they throw mud at us, we, we just spit in it and heal people's eyes. That's, you know what I mean? They throw arrows, we just catch them with a shield called faith. But we don't get involved. We don't fight Christians. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And I said, stop it. You know, within two weeks, it all stopped. Because you don't answer a fool according to his folly. And sometimes you do, but you do it as a personal message. On, there it is. All right. Let's, let's, let's get one more here. You guys ready? You can't wait for the picture for this one, can you? <laughs> How many of you guys had scrambled eggs this morning? You ready for this? Here we go. As a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now, how many of you guys, once you see this, it's kind of hard to unsee it? He makes per it's crude, 
but you can't unsee it. And here's the picture. You ready? If you don't want to see this, don't look. i just messing with you. I'll probably put that up there. <laughs> picture of Charlie, <laughs> my bulldog. Yeah, lather, rinse, repeat. And what he's saying is this. If, if you're in consistent cycles of defeat, you know, oh, man, every relationship I have is terrible because all women are crazy. Maybe it's not all women. <laughs> you know? The one commonality of the last 12 failed relationships is actually you. The last 12 failed businesses, the last 12 failed friendships, the last 12 failed churches, the last 12... You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually, we have to stop and say, I'm on this lather, rinse, repeat cycle. And, and, and this is a test for us. If we continually fail in the exact same place over and over and over and over again, I'm not saying God doesn't use it and bless it. I'm just saying this. If we fail over and over and over again in this cycle, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, it may be... Um, it may be God telling us there's wisdom we have yet to apprehend and has yet to apprehend us that would allow us to live outside of the cycle of eating what just made us sick, of redoing what was our failure. You guys got this? All right, let's do a quiz. You ready? Here's the quiz. Again, Proverbs takes complex truths, reduces them to simple, easy-to-remember sayings that give guidance. So here's the quiz. What is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion like? Let me ask you this. Those of you that are single, same thing, men, gold ring, and something else, other part of a pig, right? Pig's tail. If you knew that, could that save you from foolishness? Okay, next one. How do we respond to fools and their folly? Well, we would know one of two ways. We either respond to him or we don't. If we respond to a fool and we, we find ourselves being like that fool and now we're all upset, we realize we're responding to a fool in his, but don't do that. But if we respond to a fool in his folly and he says, thank you for sharing that because I, like, I didn't know that. I, I didn't have all the information. No one ever taught, I didn't have a father. I didn't have an older woman who, who led me in. I, I didn't know. Thank you. How I many of us know they're, they're both foolish in the sense that they don't know what to do. One doesn't want to know what to do because he's right in his own eyes. One's humble and needs to be directed. And now we know how to decide who to talk to and help and who to stay away from until they ask for help. Right? Third one. What dog-like trait do fools have? They go back to the stuff that hurt them. They just threw it up, but they eat it again. As an alcoholic years ago, as someone who was engaged four times to the wrong woman, as someone who moved from town to town as soon as my jokes weren't funny because I didn't want to write new ones, I'm telling you that's true. And it wasn't until a wiser person like my wife came into my life, like you guys coming into our lives, that it, it made sense to find new jokes. So two per year. <laughs> this is the power of Proverbs, guys. Are you getting this? This is the power of Proverbs. It's deep wisdom in bite-sized pieces. Proverbs takes the reader into the mind of kings who've been inspired by God. Psalms takes the reader into the heart of kings inspired by God. Job takes the reader into the really hard questions about how painful this life can be and has answers for them. Song of Solomon takes the reader into how pleasurable this life can be. And there's all kinds of talk about fruit, like pomegranates and stuff. <laughs> you want to write a love poem to your wife, gentlemen? Get into the Song of Solomon and tell her your, your teeth are like sheep. Your neck is like a gazelle. Women love that. Let me know how it goes for you. <laughs> 
Ecclesiastes takes the reader into the, the futility of this life and cuts out all the fluff, revealing what really, in the end, matters. I used to read Ecclesiastes as a young man, and I kid you not, I used to say, well, he was nuts. He was crazy. If it was Solomon, he's in a relationship with 1,100 women, they drove him crazy. Because this guy has no, like, he totally contradicts what he said in Proverbs. He totally contradicts, it just, you, this is like, build it, build it, grow, prosper, and this is like, it's all just awful. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Like, take a Prozac. Get over this. this is, what's wrong with you? Go snuggle with wife number 793. Do something, but be, be happier and then write, dude. But as I get older, it's funny how the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, I'm starting to understand what he's talking about. It really is vanity. There's only a few things that really matter in life, and it's, it's not the stuff I once really valued. I'm learning how important she is. I'm learning how important my children are, how important my grandson is. I'm learning how important moments are with friends. I'm learning how important a good fire on a cold night is. I'm learning to be grateful in moments instead of ambitious for, for mountains that I haven't come to yet. I'm learning to glory in the gifts of God rather than, than always being satisfied with things. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, the, that's the opinion. That's the writings of an old man who realizes in the end, I've had it all. I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've known it all. And there's really only a couple of things that are really important. We are in the minds and in the hearts of kings inspired by God, and we sit on their shoulders. So here's, here's my challenge to you. You ever said, all oh, the Bible's just too hard? It's not. If you can understand what dogs do when they get sick, it's not. If you in your imagination can picture a, a gold ring and a pig's snout, it's not. If you can imagine getting on Facebook and not getting dragged into stupid arguments, and, and wisdom that we live by to keep us out. If you can imagine what it's like to be in a cave, totally innocent, with a death sentence on you, how unjust, unfair life is, and where is God? Have you ever been there? There was a king who was there and speaks to you from that cave in your language and tells you what God whispered into his spirit and got him out of his despair. If you're wrestling with really hard, unfair things, Job has an, what seems to be endless dialogue that answers all of our questions. We, we can literally reside in the minds and the hearts of kings inspired by God who made it so bite-sized snicker bar fun that why are we not trick-or-treating every day in these books? So my challenge to you is not to go learn it, but I want you to get hungry for it. Because I don't know about you, I go to our, our, our house in Idaho that we stay with Dina's family out there when we're ministering in Idaho. And she always has a dish of candy and cookies. And our favorites are always just sitting on the counter. When we get there, I have to diet before I get there because I know I'll blow my diet once I get there. And I kid you not, just because the M&Ms are there, I just grab one. How many of you know what happens after you grab one M&M? You better walk out the door or it's 20. And I just, I, just I, I want you to understand, here, here's the bowl filled with wisdom, filled with answers to your broken heart, filled with hope, filled with love, filled with God. We dare not forget to reach in and just grab a mouthful. Tomorrow morning, wake up, find any proverb, any single proverb, the entire book of Proverbs, read it, understand it, digest it, eat it, enjoy it. And you'll begin a journey away from foolishness towards the wisdom of your God through the mind of a king. A king. A God-appointed, born-for-it king. Stand your feet, please, all over this room. You'll understand this, that when you sit on the shoulders of these kings, 
there'll be one commonality, and that is just the ongoing need for God. Again, we can't even begin our pursuit of wisdom unless we have the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is like, oh, God, he's so scary. It's not what it means. It's an awe. It's a reverence. It's a, you're God, and I'm not. It's, it's, a, it's a posture of bowing before the wise. It's a posture of humility before the glory. It's, it's, it's I, your humble student, wait for every breath that comes from the mouth of my king. Speak to me. And when you have that, that posture, God, talk to me. It's often one of two ways. We're either desperate because we're in pain, and you can learn there. God does great things at rock bottom. But why do we have to be at rock bottom to be there? The wisest man, inspired by God, wrote a book, and we can bow before, the, not the King Solomon, but the King of Kings. Say, your servant listens for the voice. Breathe on me the truth of this word. I, to you open up the poetic books and let God breathe on you, it'll change your life. God will speak to you. Pastor Carl said it best last week. Don't, don't look to get what you want from it. Go there to find out the heart of the author, God himself. You look into Proverbs and find the King of Kings, you'll find him. But when you look in there, you're going to find that, that you need him. If you're here today and you're like, I do lack wisdom. I, I'm not prudent. My life says I'm not discerning. I'm a dog in the sense that I go back to do things that I fail at over and over and over again. And I, I can blame everybody. Certainly, it's frustrating. I want somebody to target with this, this pain. But I, maybe it's me. And if it's me, who would I say I'm sorry to? And how would I correct that course? This is the moment. This is the place. And you're the person that God, I believe, wrote these books for and wrote this message in this time for. You need a fresh start, new beginning. You need to get rid of yesterday's foolishness for tomorrow's wisdom. It begins with God, the fear of the Lord, relationship with who he is. It's the beginning of all of this. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'll let you go. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to touch the hearts. And I will say this with my hand on my heart. Touch the heart of fools. Touch the heart of the simple, that we would be wise. A brokenhearted king in a cave, inspired by your spirit, wrote a psalm. And I need that in my caves. I need that in my brokenness. Job suffered like no man before or since, I believe, has ever suffered. But he wrote down the sufferings. And now his suffering produces fruit for every generation since. Song of Solomon, God, tells us the depth of the pleasures of the kingdom, the pleasures of marriage, the pleasures of, of, of purity, God. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, let us first see the king and then pursue the truths of the kingdom. If you're here today and you're not right with God, before you leave, pursue the king. And this is your time. So how would I do that, Jim? Do I have to crawl to an altar? Do I have to, you know, broken glass? Do I have to fast? No, you just, everyone who uses his will to create a voice, to call on the name of the Lord, to be saved. Do you see the king? Do you see the wisdom? Can, can you see the kingdom? It's at hand. It's in front of you. You can reach out and touch it. Then reach out and grab it. Don't just touch it. Don't just poke it. Don't just look at it. Don't visit it on Sunday. Move in to the kingdom. It's at hand. He opened the door that no man can close, and you can walk through it. That door's name is Jesus. Died on the cross 2,000 years ago to pay for my sins and the sins of all mankind. You're not right with God. Walk through the door of Jesus to the righteousness that waits for you on the other side of that door, the king that is waiting for you right now. Tell him, I confess my sins. I need you. There is no other way. I tried every other way I know. I need to try this way. I need to come back to this way. I've been a fool, and I've wandered off. I'm the dog. I'm, I'm the fool, you know, repeating and addressing. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the gold ring. I'm the, I, God help me. I need you more. 
now in this moment than I did an hour ago. And I pray that you would meet me right here, right now with that door, Jesus. Let me walk through him into your kingdom. Do it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Altar workers are coming forward. You need prayer for anything at all? I got good news for you, man. These people will pray for you until God does something. And they're a gift to this body. I'm going to head back to the prayer room. I'm sorry, to the guest room. And uh, try to come off of the drugs that I seem to be on. And uh, enjoy some coffee with you. Can you prayer this way? Haven't met you. That way, everybody else, live long and prosper. God bless you guys. Next week, we can continue our series. It's going to be awesome. We'll talk to you again soon.